Well, we are gonna uh, get started and we're gonna be opening up our Bibles and reading scripture today. That is a value to, um, to actually read it and to open up our Bibles and not just hear scripture, but actually read it, to meditate on it. Um, you know, sometimes we can read a lot. Sometimes we need to just read a little. Sometimes we're going to keep reading the same verses over and over because just because we think it's amazing, just because we highlight it, just because we underline it, does not actually mean, believe it or not, that it has actually changed anything inside of us. Anybody here, you have a couple really powerful things underlined in your Bible that you are still, for the life of you, you just cannot change your character in that way. And so we want to keep looking into it. We don't want to just declare defeat and say, well, you know what? I tried to be kind to others. Didn't really work that first week. So let's go on to something else. Maybe kindness is, you know, for some, someone else can take that one on. We really want to look at it and allow it to transform our lives. If you need a Bible so you can read along today, will you raise your hand and the ushers will pass one out to you? Leave your hand up and they will get one to you uh, here in a minute. Um, so we are in this series on Abide, and uh, in Abide is actually going to be kind of our focus this year, that in everything we do, we want to abide in him. And that is taken out of John chapter 15, verse 4, that if we remain in him, he will what? Remain in us. Now, I think all of us, for the most part, I would say the vast majority of us in here, I believe, want God to remain in us. There are times where we feel far away from him or we're, we're in a situation where we're like, God, where are you? I, I need you right now in this situation. But he actually tells us exactly what we need to do to have that take place. We have to remain in him. So what he's saying is he's not going to force himself on us. He's not walking up to us and saying, you have no choice. I am right here. I am stuck with you. You have no decision. I'm there. You know, he gives us a free will. And he's saying, but what he is saying is, I'm here for you. And no matter how many times you and I run off and do things in our own strength, in our own power, in our own way, he continues to welcome us welcome us back every single time and just saying, I just come back to me. I just want you to remain in me. And if you remain in me, I'm going to remain in you. Now, the idea with remaining is to stay. It, 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 it's, it's to be connected to God. And so it's not just swinging by. Um, we all have friends that we just stop by their house we just swing by, maybe we swing by the store, but to remain in God is we're actually literally trying to stay connected at all times, to remain in him because we're seeing him as the source. We're seeing him as everything we need is actually in him, and so we don't want to get disconnected. How many of you have ever found yourself a little farther away from God than you would want to be? But you didn't realize it as you were drifting. It was something you realized after you were disconnected and you got, and all of a sudden you looked around and you realized you weren't remaining in him. The amazing thing is, as we already celebrated and remembered through communion, 
is that he's saying, just come back to me. So in that, if you find yourself here today, maybe you have never really surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You've never said, you know what? I, I really, I wanna let go of doing things in my own strength. I wanna, I wanna take my crown off. I wanna get off my own throne of trying to run my life. And I want you to come be my Lord. I want you to be my King. I want you to be my Savior. Or maybe it's something that you've, prayed that prayer and you've done that and you kind of find yourself in a place of discouragement right now. And as, even as I'm talking, you're thinking, you know, I've been disconnected. What I want you to know is that he's here for you today. He's here for every single one of us and he's just trying to bring us back. He wants us to abide with him. So today we're gonna look at four different things as we kind of go through this. And uh, one, we're gonna talk on abide Loving others, life, loving life. We're gonna slow our souls. How many of you guys, you could use your soul to slow down a little bit. And I know no one needs this last one that you need your schedule to slow down, but we're gonna look at that. So you're gonna walk out of here a completely new person. Your life is gonna be completely fixed. Your schedule, all of that, it's just gonna be a new day, okay? So yes, it's something to get excited about. All right, if you will turn, we're gonna look at, um, right now I'm gonna just jump, kind of already did the abiding one. So we're gonna go straight to loving others in life. If you will turn to Mark chapter 12, verse 29 and 31. Mark is in the New Testament. Matthew, then Mark. If you go to Luke or John, you went a tad bit too far, start flicking your pages the other way. Mark chapter 12, verse 29 through 31. If you're thinking, Pete, you read this all the time, you're absolutely correct. Why? Because I think there's something in this that we still haven't gotten. Maybe you have, so maybe I'm just preaching to myself. There's something in this that I still haven't gotten. Mark chapter 12, verse 29 through 31. Here it says, Jesus replied, so he's been asked a question about the greatest commandment. And so here is his answer. He says, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. You know, I fail at this all the time because I, I can sing a song, Worthy You Are. I can declare God's goodness. I can hold the cracker. I can hold the juice. I can look up to the, the cross with some red paint on it, as we learned. And I can go through all the things but still, I don't give God all of my mind. I don't give him all of my heart. I don't give him all of my strength. How do I know that? Because I still try to do things in my own mind. I still try to figure things out myself. I still try to solve problems. I still have certain desires that I haven't submitted to God, and I hold on to those. I still try to 
care for my own soul in my own way, thinking if I could just have one more vacation, if I could just have one more day off, if my day could just look a certain way, then I will be refreshed. But he's telling us right here that we are to love him with everything we are. But then he also tells us to love others, to love our neighbor as ourself. You know, the American church, and I think this falls on the American church more than anywhere else, has really failed at this. We're really known more for what we stand against than what we stand for. We've spent way more time out on sidewalks, holding up banners, posting things on social media, declaring to everyone else what we stand against more than what we stand for. But I would bet that the vast majority of us in this room aren't here because someone told us what Christianity stands against and we decided, you know what? I want to serve that God. What got us was his love, his kindness led us to repentance. And one day we were in a time where we had absolutely nothing. We came to the end of our rope or we, we, we had used all of our resources. Tragedy came upon our life or whatever it could be. And all of a sudden we felt the love of Jesus, whether through another person or through individuals or whatever it could be. And we were drawn back. This last Monday... How many high schoolers are still in the room? Middle schoolers, raise your hand. Be proud of the fact that you're a student. I know you just got a whole week off, so you're not sure if you still are a student, but you are. I'm going to guarantee you, you're going back tomorrow, whether you like it or not. Because <clears throat> your parents will drop you off there. The teachers might not be there, but your parents are taking you to school. Well, this last Monday, you had off because it was the day where we celebrate, it's Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Now that is a day where we honor an individual, but it's also a day where we are reminded of a situation. And the situation is racism. But racism, it's also a day where we even go beyond, or at least I try to go beyond, just the historical context of that day for our country, but to look at how do I view other people? Who do I judge because of how tall, short, small, wide, young, old, the tanness of their skin, their education, how much they're like me, how much they're different than me? How do I judge them? How do I treat people? How often do I um, size people up for what I see on the outside versus treating people the way that Christ has treated me. This Sunday, today, is uh, for, for the church, is what we call the, the Sunday of Sanctity of Human Life, where we pray for the unborn. What's important here is that this is, Jesus is saying this is the greatest commandment. In a way, he is saying, abide with me, is the most important thing you can do. Because to abide with him means we are loving him with all that we are. 
Because when I choose not to abide, it means I kind of, in a sense, disconnect myself. Why do I disconnect myself? Because there's something else that's enticing to me. Either my own control, my own power, my own emotions, my own feelings, and I'm tired of waiting for him to come through, so I go and fix the problem on my own. Anybody here with me? Or am I the only crazy one in the room? You're with me. I appreciate that. We're crazy together. But he also says to go love your neighbor as yourself. Don't consider yourself better than these other people. Don't judge them on the outside. Why? Because Jesus loves all life. You know, when he went to that cross, he didn't do it for Christians. He did it for us when we were broken. He did it for us today. And he's gonna, he did it for us tomorrow when we make a new mistake. He did it for every single one of us. You know, warning, I'm getting emotional. This week, on one hand, man, I loved it because the holidays had a lot of intense things that happened. As a church family, we went through a lot of loss of people heading home. But if you're new here, what do we mean by that? That means we, they went to heaven. They died, but we believe they're, they're going home. That's where we all are. Earth here is never actually going to satisfy any of us. Our, our appetite isn't fully satisfied until we're home because we were made for home. We weren't made for here. So we had some beloved friends go home. And there was just a, a it wasn't bad. It, there just was a, a heaviness about the holidays. So I was so thankful for this week of snow. I was actually thankful. I was one who maybe un, unlike some, I was happy to have my kids in the house to just sit around and just to hang out and play games and just be that ideal Norman Rockwell family that we are. You know, it's neat. No one, no one disagreed. Every time I said, you know what, guys, I would just, would you mind just getting up and doing some of your responsibilities? They just looked at me and said, with love and pleasure, yes. <laughs> and it was picture perfect. No, but there was something relaxing about it. But you know, I was heartbreaking because almost every single day, I got a new text over my phone alerting me to another suicide in, in our area. Because isolation does something to each one of us. Because we are meant to be in community. Now, there's all sorts of things that lead people to suicide. There's in, in, but there was a brokenness. There was one just the other day that just rocked me. I didn't even go, but I read the notes. I had to call a friend of mine, the battalion chief, and just say, man, I'm hurting. Just reading the notes and then talking to the crew and talking to them about what they went through with this 15-year-old. And it just breaks my heart. But here's the deal. I know we can't wear that as if we could have prevented everything. But if we would slow down to abide and be with God, we're going to start walking through the grocery store just with a little bit more caution. When we're doing things, we're going to just be a little bit more aware. What are we aware of? We're aware of his voice. Here's the amazing thing. He did die for every single one of us because we're all his children. 
And he died for every single person out there because they're his children. He loves them. He doesn't see that difference that you and I see. He sees something miraculous. He sees something beautiful. And I believe that if we slow down, he makes us a little more aware of the individual standing next to us. And what he does is he gives us a little whisper that says, will you just tell them that I love them? And we go through that whole argument with him with I don't want to look stupid or what if they don't want me to say it? And we go back and forth for 10 minutes and then we do it. Maybe he says, will you just, will you just buy this for them? Will you just let them know that I see them? Will you just tell them that they're not an accident? It's, it's super simple. It doesn't have to always be complex, but it's because he loves life. There was a gentleman by the name of John. He lives in a tent encampment two blocks from my house. Many times he would be at the mill plane in 205 or uh, I-5 off-ramp. He had one arm that stopped halfway through his bicep. Super dark skin, always out in the sun, balding, long hair, wore a leather jacket, even if it was 102 degrees outside. Never looked happy, would yell at people. And I would always wave at him, and he never would wave at me back. He's one of those people where my kids were always like, why do you keep waving at him? I'm like, well, I believe he can see me out of the corner of his eye, and I just hope he knows that he's valuable. A little bit, several months ago, we had something here at the church, I forget what it was, and there was some leftover um, food, some carne asada that, that was made, and some beans and rice, and I took it home, and a couple of my kids and I went out and just decided we were going to go and give them some food. We'd pull up and had it all in the back, and I'd just be like, do you like carne asada? It was interesting. No one said no. Everybody was like, yeah, you know, and I remember giving him a plate, and he just, like, life came to him. Another lady that lives down there, I talked to her about coming to church, and she finally came to me and gave me a... Um, a Muhammad analogy that I'm just not quite, wasn't super aware of, but Southern people uh, knew it. But she basically finally came to me after a while and said, you know, if you can't, if you can't get us to church, bring Muhammad to us or, you know, something. And, but the whole idea is going down there. And so I knew I had a tugging in my heart that I was supposed to go down and start doing a Bible study. But there was always something else that came up or I always thought, oh, I'll wait until it's a little more convenient or something. A couple weeks ago, John overdosed on fentanyl and died. You know, it broke me because he was always angry. He wasn't a nice guy. He would yell at you as you drove by. I'm sure he'd maybe made a lot of mistakes in his life, as I have. But you know what? John was his son. John was loved. John had a life that was valuable. And God is telling us the greatest thing you can do, the most important thing you and I can do is remain in him. Because in remaining in him, we love him with all that we are. And then he says, because if you do that, it's going to so change your character and your makeup that then you're going to go out and you're going to love others as I have loved you.
I believe we're called to be radical. We talk about it a lot. I believe we're called to not just come in to church to get a pep talk and to go out, to not just have our devotional time every day, a couple times a week, whatever the rhythm might be for you, to not just go to a couple Bible studies every now and then, but to actually say, Jesus, I am here to remain in you and to stay connected to you. Will you help me go out and live an active lifestyle that's radical, that's actually inconvenient, that's messy, that that causes me to sacrifice so that others receive the love that I have so graciously received from your mercy. So we're gonna do something real quick. Will you stand to your feet if you're able? And we're going to get into groups and we're going to pray. We're going to pray that our love for others would change, that our prejudice would come off, that our our racism would come off, that our judgment would come off, that how many times do we drive around and see someone and say they're living. The reason this is going on is because all these choices they've made. But yet when you and I start to suffer the consequences of our choices, do you know what we typically do? We say, Lord, would you come and heal me? God, would you come and deliver me from this, actually the mess that we created? But we don't usually offer others that same thing. So will you just get in? We're just going to take like five minutes. Get in a, a group of five people or something like that. Look for people that you don't know. Okay? Don't just get with your normal people. And you're going to pray out loud and just say real quick, just you pray your own 30 second prayer. Lord, would you help me love others? God, would you help me treat others? Lord, I ask that you would help us to love well. God, that we, we're not the biggest church in town. Lord, you have no favorite church in town. We're all part of the body of Christ. But God, as a unique part of that body, I ask that we would be obedient to your call, your call of who you say we are, that we would understand our identity. God, that that you have called us each your children, that you don't have some of us that are supposed to follow you as disciples and others that aren't. You're calling us, all of us, to follow you radically in every way, that you've placed us all in very unique places on purpose whether it be our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our schools, our families. And God, that there's things that you want us to get and to be blessed from those places. But God, you've also placed us there to love others well. God, teach us to love one another well. Teach us to love life. Doesn't mean we agree with everyone. It doesn't mean there aren't consequences for actions. But what it means is that as we begin to truly understand and rest in the fact that we are your children and how deeply and madly you are in love with us, that God, that we would reflect that as your ambassadors to others and love them with the same tenacity, to love them with with the same intensity. God, to be your hands and feet. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can be seated. Uh, Okay, let's get your Bibles back out. We we are doing different Bible reading programs or or different, um, not programs. What word am I looking for? 
something, maybe your neighbor said it and so you go off of that. But basically, instead of doing something for all 365 days, there, there are some of them, we just finished one that was 19 days, and this next one is four. And the, the idea with it is if you have a Bible reading plan that you're on and that brings you life, stay there, not trying to change you in that way, but also trying to step out and get um, those of us that don't uh, to to abide with God through the word and to see it as something that wants to feed us. And so these different ones, some of them, they, they come with videos. It's through the Bible project. This one is what God says about justice. And so it's a great thing that goes off of just this idea of loving others. And what does God say about the way we're to treat our neighbor? And so I want to encourage you to um, join in on that if you can. Nice thing with four day one is, you know what? I'm not telling you to miss the day. But I'm just saying if you happen to, uh, it's four. So you have a little breathing room. Um, how many of you could use? You know, I'm not going to answer. ask another question right now. Okay. So you can find that on Church Center and, and to do that. Um, so pretty exciting there. Okay. So slow our souls. If you will turn to Matthew 16. Matthew. So if you were in Mark, you're just going backwards a little bit. To chapter 16, verse 24 through 26. Growing up, this was my favorite um, portion of scripture until I became an adult and I realized what it meant for my life. So then I decided I was going to ignore it. And I thought maybe God wouldn't challenge me quite as bit. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 26. says, then Jesus said to his disciples, why don't you just... Look at your neighbor and say, you're a disciple. We got to remember that, yes, Jesus walked the earth with 12 and he taught them. And, uh, but he's walking with us and he calls us his disciples. He wants us to follow him just as radically. Every single one of us, no matter how you look at yourself, you might think, no, I don't know enough about the Bible. Or, ah, I've only been really following Jesus for like a year. Or, I don't know. I mean, man, I'm 67 and I have done some horrible things in my life. He looks at you and he says, perfect. You are just the person I'm looking for. Because you know that he has a group of people designed for each one of us to go minister to. And so you and all your baggage, you and all your mess ups are now just perfect for a certain group of people. For him to work through you to tell that group of people he loves them and he wants to work through you. Okay, I forgot about the whole fact that I'm working on trying to read straight through the portion of scripture and then come back and talk about it. And all we did was got two, three, four, five, six words in. So we're going to pretend that didn't happen. We're just going to start over. That was just the introduction so you know why you're supposed to read this portion of Scripture. So going back, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? So an interesting thing here. 
because it doesn't make sense. But he's saying, if you really want to live, if you really want to thrive, if you really want the hope that we all ask for, if you want the peace, if, if you want the understanding, if you want whatever it is you're asking for, the way you're going to give it, get it, is to let go of your own life, to let go of control, to let go of trying to do it in your own strength and to allow him you're picking up your cross. What's your cross? Your cross could be who he says you are, what he's called you to. But the fact that just like Jesus, when he had his cross and he picked it up and, and he's walking up the hill there and he's dragging this cross with him, he was dragging what he knew he was called to do. And there was difficulty in it. So this isn't saying if you want an easy life, let go. It's not saying if you want a comfort, you know, a problem-free life, there's no guarantee of that. What it is saying is you'll experience life. You'll actually experience it to the fullness. And we follow him. But when we hang on and we cling to it, we hold on tightly, that's when we're going to lose it. So it's when we hold on to our own kingdom, our own life, we end up bringing death to ourselves. What kind of death? Well, we get exhausted. Anybody here, you ever try to fix your own problem and you ran out of gas? You got exhausted. You just were like, I just can't do this anymore. Maybe you had a nervous breakdown. Maybe, you know, well, you know what you did. I'll let it stay there. We end up finding empty pleasure and things like that. And we end up losing our soul because it has no life. Because we're focusing on all these other things because the only thing that really replenishes our soul is God. We need him to come replenish. And he does that when we're abiding with him. So if we want to find rest and peace, we let go. We ask for his kingdom to come, his will to be done. And we abide with him. So we're going to be going through. When you, when you leave today, um, whether it's your first time here, or you've been coming for a long time, uh, you get one of these. And you can grab one of these little booklets. It's called Slow Your Soul. And it, has, it goes for three different weeks. Um, and, and I'll read a couple things out of it and explain a little bit more. But the idea is, and it's not just one per household. It's one per, we kind of got enough for everybody over the age of 13. So middle schoolers, high schoolers, that we would all go through this. And it's not a how-to formula on how to slow your soul, but it's just a couple things to kind of take us through of trying to slow down and learning to find rest and delight with God. And uh, so there's three different parts. One is slow your schedule, which is rest. The other one is slow, slow your senses, finding refreshment, and another one, the last one is actually on the title of the book, Slow Your Soul to Reflect. So today, looking at the slow your schedule. And so I'm going I'm to read part of this um, here in the, in, in the beginning. It says, so what is Sabbath? And so one of the things we're wanting to get better at is Sabbath rest. Now, a lot of times, if you grew up in the church, Sabbath 
uh, could seem very legalistic. It could seem like, well, isn't that of the old covenant? We're of the new covenant. The idea is that God wants us to find rest in him. And knowing enough of you in the way I do, I'm just going to flat out say we all need rest. And we could use some of that peace and some of that rest in our life. So, so what is Sabbath? Sabbath is a time block where we stop work to rest our souls deeply enough to enter the contentment of being found by God. Inhaling grace, exhaling joy, experiencing the peace of being with him. We week for six days, and then we Sabbath. So it goes through these three of rest, refresh, reflect. Rest, stop weaking. Weaking being like the weak. You following me? Okay. Um, stop the relentless schedule of doing and move into being. Inhale grace, receive God's gift to cease distracting and burdensome activity. Refresh. Let the slowing open your senses to delight. Exhale joy as you feast on the great wonders of creation. Reflect, enter home, enter being found, enter grace as you ponder God's word to be with God, to be with one another, to join the cosmic, it is good. Sabbath is the place where we rest, refresh, then reflect. We release the burden of our weary, anxious, and shame-filled souls as we renew the rhythm of being with Jesus. And I feel like that sentence is something where we can all find ourselves in a unique place of this. We release the burden of our weary. We release the burden of our anxious. We release the burden of shame-filled souls as we renew the rhythm of being with Jesus to abide. It's a choice. And you and I have to slow our schedules to make that choice. It doesn't come by accident. It doesn't just come by, we can't fast track it. We actually got to slow down. Becoming fully aligned followers of Jesus, the absolute and exclusive king of our lives. Hear the invitation to cease striving and allow our souls to enter the rest of Sabbath. Receive the gift, step into it as we become those who can truly say, my soul finds rest in God alone. What an amazing thing. Sabbath practices are not about our forming of ethics and morality to be like Jesus. Sabbath is about Jesus forming us to look like him. So here's the invitation on this book. This booklet is a three-week journey into developing a Sabbath practice. There will not be direct instructions. There will not be a list of rules. There will not be specific how-to, for Sabbath is not something we accomplish. Each week, we will walk through a blend of thoughts and practical application of Sabbath. There may be some parts of this booklet that feel complicated or even awkward. We love awkward, don't we? Let us encourage you to come along for the journey, knowing that God will grace and lead us to what Sabbath rest looks like in this season. 
and it will look unique for you. So in slow in our schedule, God put humans in the garden with the sacred commission to work and to rest, a perfect rhythm. It was always his intention that you and I would work, but also that we would find rest. However, we in our striving for significance have found ourselves in pursuit of work while substituting recreation for rest. I think I need to hear that one more time. So if you could just allow me to read it to myself. However, Pete, in your striving for significance, you have found yourself in pursuit of work while substituting recreation for rest. I think that's good. So I'm just going to read it so that you hear it now with me. (laughs) However, we all, in our striving for significance... Maybe it's our striving to solve our own problems. Maybe it's our striving to create our own comfort and our own peace. Maybe it's our striving to try to overpower the the, the thoughts or the, the memories or the lies that are still coming through to us. In our striving for, for significance, We have found ourselves in pursuit of work while substituting recreation for rest. I have totally done this. Where I think if I could just have another vacation or another more of that recreation side that I would experience rest. But many times it doesn't come like that. Okay, only got two little more sections, so just bear with me. Any of you guys feel like you're at the library at story hour? (laughs) I always fell asleep during that. But I don't know what I'm supposed to say next, but just you don't fall asleep. Okay, yet we fail to see the abundance prepared for us in the seventh day blessing and turn instead to ceaseless pursuit. We actually actively choose to not accept the abundance and the blessing in God's plan for us. We actually kind of, we peek our head in the window and say, that looks really nice, but you know what? It probably is too good to be true. Or we look in and say, man, that is comfortable and I would love that, but it's probably not for me. Or I don't know. I mean, well, maybe I would love to get there someday, but first I just need to take care of this long list of things. Once I get caught up, then I will learn to rest. So we fail to see the abundance prepared for us in the seventh day blessing and turn instead to ceaseless pursuit. I know I said there was only a couple, but I guess if I read them five times each, it does make it a lot more. So I'll try to just do it once. We live in continual state of striving for enough. Enough self-discipline, enough stuff, enough leisure, enough security, enough beauty, enough friends, enough creativity. We occupy and preoccupy ourselves with busyness to silence our worries, ignore our grief, and to deflect our anxiety. We avoid rest. We work around we work around, oh, the need to bring, um, to being present with God. Worry reveals our soul's disconnection from our creator. 
Anxiety uses busyness to cover all the possible ifs that might happen. In this state of being occupied and preoccupied with busyness, our Jesus relationships becomes just another item on the checklist, another category in the unending list of enoughs. We want to take off the legalism. We want to take off the obligation. We want to take off the task of it and just learn to walk at a place of peace where we walk in peace, we talk in peace, and and we begin to open up scripture, not as do I actually have enough time to read this whole chapter, but Lord, I just want to start reading and I just want you to bring it to life to me. And if I only get a couple verses down, cool. I just want to be with you. God, I'm going to go on a walk. And I know for a long time when I walk with you, I just start telling you everything I need and every problem I have in my life. Today, Aaron, will you walk with me real quick? Today, I just want to walk with you, Lord. I want to walk with my friend. And I just want to be in your presence. You don't even have to say anything. Just power in just being with him. We find something new. Thank you, buddy. But we have to choose to take an active step to really create time to slow our schedule. How can we slow it? Me as an administrated-minded individual, Bob saw Tamar and I at Fred Meyer yesterday, and um, we were walking out with groceries, and he's like, wow, I really like the way you pack those bags. Tamar's like, yeah, that's Mr. Anal Retentive right here. <laughs> she sometimes is like, do you want me to, and she won't even finish the word help. She'll be like, do you want me to, never mind, I know you don't. <clears throat> Because how many organizers know there's a right way and there's a wrong way? And God blessed you with the right way, didn't he? Until you're working with me, then it is the wrong way. Um, Where was I at with that? Um, I think I was headed somewhere along the lines that we can get so focused in trying to now structure rest. So we decide, you know what? Yeah, I need to learn rest. Okay, so I'll go back to my calendar and I create all these time slots. I got 15-minute time slots on my phone about my devotional life. And, well, anyways, it's stupid and it doesn't work. We got to find a place of slowing down our schedule just simply to be with him. My hope is that we all try it. We put aside whatever it is. We, whether you're a person where you're just exhausted and so you're, you're opening up your schedule just to be like, okay, I'm gonna make a point to actually just get out of bed and I'm just gonna sit and be with him. You know what, if I fall asleep, then Lord, do something in that sleep. If you're a busy person, you're just choosing just to be still to be with him. Because if any of you wants to be my follower, and he already called you his disciple. So that's kind of, I don't know, would you say it's rhetorical? Because 
you technically were following him. If you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. We give up our own self-preservation. We accept who he says we are and we go to abide with him. If you hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? So the question to consider today is, how will you intentionally slow your schedule this week to abide and be with God? So let's just have a moment of awkward silence. There might be a couple kids, maybe a couple coughs. I don't know if you've ever noticed that whenever you go to have silence, all of a sudden everyone's throat gets dry. And that's okay. Um, We can just roll with it. But just just have a moment of even just practicing this right here, right in this, right where we are. And just think through how could you intentionally not looking how do you have to carve out 24 hours, not looking at how do you um, remodel your entire calendar, just how can you intentionally slow your schedule this week to abide and be with God so that we can practice the greatest commandment of loving him with all that we are so that we can learn how to love others as ourselves so that as his followers, we can let go and trust him. I love that there was the sound of the baby. You know, it reminds me that uh, if you didn't know it, we were all babies at one time. So fact. <clears throat> Is when we're that young, doesn't matter how hard we try, we can't solve anything on our own. And really, it's not that much different for us now. In the greater scheme of things, it's in the same way. God is so vast. He's so big. What he has planned for you goes far beyond anything that you could ever imagine. It's as if we're all still infants. And he's saying, if you would just rest, I will nourish you. If you would just be, I will carry you to where you need to be. If you would just let go, I will hold on to you. You know, sometimes I don't like asking God questions like this. As soon as I sat down on the stage, I instantly heard him tell me that this week, the way he wants me to do it is to throw out my calendar and, uh, and just get up. And just be with him, which is a little scary for me because I believe God is a God of structure. If you've ever read, you know, Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, I mean, he had some clear plans, some clear measurements, and I believe those still apply. But, um, you know, he loves you. And he's calling us to something amazing. And uh, real quick, we're going to close here in a minute. But Mallory, are you still here? Will you come up real quick? She had something um, that God put on her heart. And we believe that 
God still speaks, and he speaks through us to encourage one another. And uh, so I just wanted you to share it real quick. Um, I was in worship, and I was just feeling um, just an intensity of the heart of God for um, those that are single parents and maybe even military spouses. And I just felt like God really wanted to come around you and surround you with love today. Um, when you read the book of Acts, it seems like that's all they're focused on is the the widows, the, the poor, all of that. That's what they're like, okay, we've got to make sure that that is taken care of. And so that's a calling for all of us to take care of. And I don't really want to take away from any of the things that Pete spoke about today because I feel like sometimes we can check it off our list that, okay, I need to love somebody. So today God said something about single parents, so I'm going to love single parents. And now, done. I don't have to do anything else the rest of the week. Um, But I do really feel like God wants to surround those people with love and encouragement and bring them to the spotlight. Um, we're going to go a little late real quick. If you are in the room, I want to, I want to be obedient to that. I don't want to just brush over it. If you're in the room and you're willing to be vulnerable and say, yes, that you're a single parent or yes, your spouse is away at work. And, um, So I'm going to just tell you everything so you're not anxious on then what comes next. So the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to raise your hand. The next thing is I'll ask you to then stand. And then I'm going to ask the people around you to gather around you and to pray blessing over you, to pray God's love into you. We're not not there to give. We're just there to speak life into you. And so if that's you and you would be willing to have us as a family come around you, why today? Because God decided to tell someone to share it, and therefore we want to be obedient and respond to it. And so if that's you, would you raise your hand? You know, forget the raising hand. Would you just stand up? Let's just skip step one. If that's you, will you stand up? Anyone else? We just want to pray with you. There's no shame in it. I grew up with a single mom. And let me tell you, Knowing me and my brothers and sisters, what we put her through, she could use the prayer. As if you would stand so that we could pray. Now, church, can we be a family? And you might get out of your seat and walk around someone. Can we stand and then just gather around and pray and just pray love and support? Or maybe you just stretch your hand. But let's gather around these and just love on them. Lord, I thank you for these single parents. I think I looked around and it seemed like they were all women, all moms. God, I thank you for their faithfulness. Lord, I know that the, what put them in this position, the stories would range not all the same, but God, what is consistent is that they've chosen to push through the difficult, they've chosen to push through the hopelessness, they've chosen to push through the adversity, 
They've chosen to get up, even if they feel like there's still a shame riding on them, that they've chosen to every day do their best to lift their head out of it, to push through for the sake of their kids. God, we do, we come around them and we ask for your blessing. God, we don't want to just be trite and do our prayer and then leave and just go on. Help us to remember them next, next Sunday or maybe in a community group or maybe at women's ministry when we see them to, to encourage them, to encourage them that they're doing a great job because most likely what they're seeing is their mistakes because what they don't have is someone next to them saying, I'm proud of you. You're doing an amazing job. God, I ask that they would hear your voice that as they try their best in their busyness and all the pressures that are on them to slow down, to abide with you, God, that first you would show them how to do that in their own unique schedule. That they wouldn't feel like it's another weight or another burden being put on them. But it would be something that would bring life. It would be something that was life-giving. But God, that they would hear you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I love you so much and I'm so proud of you. God, we pray for their kids that they would experience your love. God, that they would encounter your presence, that they would taste and see that you are good, that they would know maybe uh, tragedy has struck their family. Maybe someone has abandoned them in their family or, or maybe wh whatever the thing is, they would know that you will never, ever, ever, ever leave them nor forsake them. And you look at them and you look and you love them deeply. God, I thank you for this family, our church family, that we're not here on accident. Even those that just popped in today, maybe to check and see what was going on, or maybe a friend um, manipulated them to get here or someone power tripped them to get here. God, I don't really care. What I hope is that they know you love them. God, I thank you that you bring us together as the body of Christ, people that look, act, talk, vote everything differently. But God, what we're trying to have in common is our radical love for you because we've embraced your radical love for us. So as we go, help us to find time to be intentional, to be with you. Help us to learn to love you with all that we are and help us to take that love and show love to others. God, today we let go of our own security, our own control of our lives. We pick up our identity, who you say we are, so that we can walk in our purpose and what you've called us to do. God, let us go from here on purpose. Let us go from here with intentionality. And let us go from here knowing that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Give a couple people a hug on the way out. Thank you so much for coming.